Welcome to the Successfully Unemployed Show, the place where ordinary people become extraordinary by finding the path to financial freedom through entrepreneurship, side hustles, and passive income. We have already blazed the path, showing you how to retire early and have financial independence, so you will never work for someone else again. Successfully Unemployed, your place for freedom. Welcome to the Successfully Unemployed show. My name is Dustin Heiner, and I am super excited to have you here with me as we are learning how to quit our job by being investors, business owners, side hustle experts, and doing every single thing that we can to not work that J-O-B, that just over broke job, because that's what we do when we work a job. We're just over broke. Your boss is paying you just enough to get you to continue working, but not too much that takes money out of his or her pocket. Now, today I have a fantastic guest on. His name is Jeff Proctor. He has the website dollarsprout.com and he teaches how to, or his site basically helps people to learn how to manage money, how to take care of money and all that sort of stuff. And he's, I also learned a little bit of a story working at a psychiatric ward before he came here. And anyways, we're going to, I'm just jumping way into it because there's so, I'm so excited to talk about it. Jeff, thank you so much for being here on the show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Jeff, after seeing everything that you've done, and and I also want to talk about the psychiatric war that you had to go back to work afterwards, because um, as entrepreneurs, we're always trying to figure out a way to be on our own, well, work on our own, but then sometimes it doesn't work out that well, but we'll get that, into that in a second. Mm-hmm. And so how do you make money to provide for your family without having that J-O-B, that just over broke job? Yeah. So I run dollarsprout.com, which is a website, like you said, that helps people with managing their money. And my background was actually, uh, I used to work at a wealth management firm, helping people invest their money, like individual clients. And now I do something sort of similar to that, but it's just all done on a website. And I just write content, like basically blog content. And the way that we make money is through advertising. So primarily what we do is what's called affiliate marketing. So like, let's say someone is reading an article about how to save more money. And let's say we're listing out a bunch of tips for how to save money. And hey, we recommend like, hey, Ally Bank is paying 1.8% interest rate. Like if you sign up here, get an account, you're getting great interest rate, you know, help you save that sort of thing. And if someone is reading our article and signs up for something like that, we would get a commission from Ally Bank. Or, or whoever we're, we're talking about. So on our site right now, we have about 400 articles on our site that, you know, some of them have these advertisements, some of them don't. Um, but kind of from the whole, from, you know, building up our audience, having them come to the site, learn, you know, everything there is to know or everything we've written about money, which is not everything there is to know, but, you know, we're working on it. <laughs> um, through that, you know, people like come in, sign up, you know, complete offers, and then we slowly built up an income from there. So as it stands today, Dollar Sprout, including me and my co-founder, Ben Huber, we have five full-time employees and probably about a half dozen or so contractors that help us out with creating that content. My goodness, that sounds like a fantastic, fantastic business model. And so you already have, well, you do have five employees and contractors. That's mm-hmm. just, it seems like uh, for getting a, having a website, that you would mm-hmm. actually, it's like people think, why would you need having employees? It's just a website, but you have 400 articles, you have a lot of affiliates you got to work with. We'll get into that. Now, mm-hmm. I want to talk about before dollarsprout.com, what mm-hmm. were you doing? Like, what, what kind of job did you have then? What was yeah. the process to actually quitting that job to be being full time with dollarsprout.com? Yeah. So I graduated from Virginia Tech in 2013. Um, took me five years to get a four-year degree, but we'll save that for another day, that story. <laughs> um, so I graduated with a degree in biochemistry from Virginia Tech. I had a, now that part sounds impressive until I say I had, I think like a 2.6 or 2.7 GPA and couldn't get a job. I, All of us entrepreneurs definitely get low grades. Yes. So I'm right there with yeah, you, Jeff. I, like the med school dreams were were never even a remote possibility for me, but I stuck with that degree program for whatever reason, but I was always interested in finance. And, you know, as I came up towards graduating, I needed to get a job and I applied to all sorts of like investment banks, wealth management places. I mean, just everywhere I could think of that like might accept me and got rejected from everywhere. Like, I don't know exactly how many applications I sent in, but like 
I had zero success. Um, and then I finally got a, a hit back from a local wealth management firm in Blacksburg, Virginia, which is where I went to school. And I got an internship for $8 an hour. Now, keep in mind, I was fully graduated at that point. I was done with school, had a degree, making $8 an hour, no benefits, no nothing. I was basically, you know, answering phones, you know, filling out paperwork, checking the mail, like intern stuff. And, you know, through, I, I stuck with that job for, I think two and a half years. I went from $8 an hour, then made $10 an hour. After a year there, I made $12 an hour. And about a year and a half, they gave me benefits and $16 an hour. And by the time I left, I was, I just got a raise up to 40,000 a year, but I had asked for a raise up to 60,000 because, you know, like you said in the, in the intro, you know, a boss will pay you uh, just enough to keep you around, but not enough to, you know, really dip into their, their profit margins. And, you know, through my experience in working there, you know, I'd got my securities license, my series seven and all that stuff and was taking on more responsibility, but my, you know, pay was still pretty low. So eventually, you know, I decided like, you know what, screw this. I want to try and do this on my own. And so when I finally left, it was, I think August of 2015, I was 25 years old at the time, had no idea what I was in for. Um, but yeah, that's basically, you know, that that's what, what led up to me, you know, first getting into what would become Dollar Sprout. You saved up money. And mm-hmm. you saved up almost a year's worth of expenses, which is super impressive. Most people can't even save like a half a month of expenses. Yeah. So that is very impressive. And then with that money that you saved up, how long did it take before you actually burned through that? Yeah. So now keep in mind, I was still kind of living like a, a college lifestyle, like a broke college kid. So like a year of expenses for me was, you know, quite a bit less than, you know, a, a father of three and like a family and all that. So I, I'd saved... I think it was about twenty one or twenty two thousand dollars, which at my salary level was a lot of of saving. And I, before I quit my job, I I decided about a year before I left that I wanted to leave and do my own thing. Um, I was still like applying for other jobs and just seeing what was out there, but I knew that I was you know planning for my exit about a year in advance. And then yeah, like I, I saved what I thought was a year of expenses, and then left my job. And the funny thing is like when you're planning for your exit, you, you think that you're just going to spend the bare minimum on everything. And like, that's just not how life works. So like I, I ended up blowing through my year of savings in about nine months, which honestly, like it's, that's not like totally unreasonable. Um, even if I would have made it a year, I, I still would have blown through it. Like I, the, our business at that point wasn't making enough money to support either of us. So I still had to go back and uh, eventually get a job again and try, try again. And what was that job? I, I gotta, I gotta hear that story. Yeah. So the thing about working in the finance industry is there's, there's a lot of rules about like conflict of interest stuff. So I, I didn't want to give up on Dollar Sprout. So I, you know, you can't just go back to a job, you know, doing like doing what I was doing before and then say like, Hey, I've got this other business on the side. That's like, kind of doing sort of the same thing. Not really. Like I just didn't want to deal with, with all of that headache of, you know, having conflict of interest issues. And, um, Ben, my, my business partner, Ben, he is actually a registered nurse at a local hospital and like, like an actual, like legit job. He was a registered nurse. <laughs> and then he said like, Hey, you could work at this hospital as an aide. You know, it's not great money. It's like $11 an hour. Um, but you know, that's something and you can like, I mean, I, it was a somewhat urgent situation. Like I needed money like now. (laughs) Um, (laughs) So I, I eventually found an opening and it was at the inpatient psychiatric unit. So I went from, you know, managing money for millionaires to, you know, trying entrepreneurship for nine months failing. And then now I'm, you know, serving breakfast trays and, you know, being on like suicide watch for like depressed patients and, you know, <laughs> all of that sort of like bathing people. <laughs> it was quite Ouch. the transformation in just, you know, a short amount of time. Um, so I got got that job at the psych ward and, you know, still kept working on Dollar Sprout like before and after work and a lot of times during work too. 
that's just how it is. <laughs> um, <laughs> it, it wasn't the hardest job in the world. It was just a lot of hours. But you know, when things were were calm, I had time to you know sneak into WordPress and write some articles or whatever. And so um, from from there, you were building Dollar Sprout. It sounds like mm-hmm. at the same time. So you started it, quit mm-hmm. your job, nine months of of time off. And then you, I got to get another job, got to work at a psych ward. That just sounds, sounds for me, I'm not a hospital type of guy. I'm not not that mm -hmm. person. That'd be just be really well for me. And then you build up the business even more and you get to dollar sprouts and then dollarsprout.com is taking off now. And then you can quit Mm -hmm. your job. Was it easy? Obviously you're working at a psychiatric ward and making very little money. Was it easy for you to say, you know what? I have enough money coming in from dollarsprout.com to make that leap to quitting there again. Yeah. So the it's funny if you look at you know how I quit my first job. You know I I quit with zero income coming in from the business. Just like you were starting from scratch. Like let's do it day one. Let's start. And by the time I had left at the psych ward, you know we were probably making enough to like pay me and Ben full time salaries without having jobs. But we kind of like learned our lesson from the first go around. Like you know you don't. We, we didn't, I didn't want to quit when we were making like $500 a month and like feel that stress again, because, you know, also for that first year that I was unemployed, I, you know, in an effort to cut costs, like I didn't have health insurance. And of course that was the year I was like more sick than I've ever been oh. in my life, just because there's all that stress yep. and then you have the stress and you get sick and then you can't go to the doctor and you get like more stress and more sick and don't recommend doing that. <laughs> um, but yeah. So by the time, so I kind of slowly like phased out and the hospital job was great. Like it was flexible and like, you know, I could go from full-time to part-time to like very part-time uh, and then eventually just be done. Um, so I, I was there for, I think about 10 months or so, give or take, you know, a couple months. Um, and I learned a lot. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You, you're, your experience going through that. And sorry, when did you start Dollar Sprout? You said it, but what year was it? Uh, 2015, August, 2015 is when uh, we had an older domain back then. Um, but then we eventually rebranded in 2017 to, to Dollar Sprout. Oh, got it. So you, you moved all that content over, mm-hmm, forward links mm-hmm. and everything. Got it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So let's say that I wanted to start something like Dollar Sprout where I'm helping people and mm-hmm. I want to use affiliates as well as mm-hmm. ads. I, I just want to, you know, I don't want to really want to sell a course. I don't want mm-hmm. to be the face of it. And tell me the difference in your opinion between having something where it's a personality driven website, as opposed to being like just content driven, because, yeah. you know, when you think about a couple different sites, those are the two main ways that people create a website to then make money online. Mm-hmm. What are your thoughts? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think, you know, Ben and I have like, you know, dabbled in like creating courses before. And like, we've, we've spent months working on one and then we just never finish it. We just like scrap it. Cause we realize like, we don't like working on this. Like we, like for some reason, like both, both of our brains are kind of wired in a similar way. Like we're both, you know, fairly introverted. So, you know, we don't, we don't necessarily want to become like personal brands or, you know, put our face everywhere. Um, and we, we really like, at least I really like the idea of like, you know, creating like a, a single piece of content, make it as good as you possibly can, and then find a way to market it and, you know, get, if there's affiliates in there, great. If there's not, that's okay too. Um, get people, get an audience to that piece of content. So it's almost like, you know, right now we have 400 articles on our site, which, you know, some sites have, you know, thousands or tens of thousands of articles, um, but, you know, for us, it's like each article is like a mini project that you work on. And I think it's just kind of more, this is more how our brains are, are wired. Um, I just don't particularly like spending, you know, months on end creating a course and then doing the whole email marketing. And I mean, it's it's extremely effective for a lot of people. It's just, you know, not what we kind of found our our strengths in. Yeah. So it fits your, your personalities, but at the same time, mm-hmm. you're able, in my opinion, also, if you have a site that can reach a lot more people, help a lot more people, I wouldn't say a lot more, it just seems like a personality driven website can only, I wouldn't say only go so, it it goes so far, but then it starts almost hitting a cap. Whereas if you have a, almost like a news site or just a, a content site that people keep going to. Now, if I were to 
start. I wanted to start. Do I have to find a fantastic name like dollarsprout.com and pay a couple thousand dollars for it? Or can I just say, hey, you know what? I'm going to put, uh, uh, I don't know, makemoney.com or whatever it can be. Mm-hmm. What are your thoughts mm-hmm. about the domain and how do we get started? Yeah, I think, you know, for when Ben and I got dollarsprout.com, the domain name, we got it for, I think it was like $1,600 from uh, one of those domain brokers, which, you know, what was the, the time, domain domain name I, before that? Uh, is vtxcapital.com. We VTX. we initially yeah we initially wanted to have like a investment research like subscription company and that was you know part of the reason why our first year was not very successful because it it was too like the product creation and the marketing was like just too much for us to to handle and we didn't realize we were going up against like you know the morning stars and you know Kiplingers and all all those people like of the world. Um, so we were just in way over our heads and blogging was a little bit easier to get started in. And um, so you, took, from took us a year. <laughs> yeah. Well, you didn't take too much longer, which is great. Some yeah. people take years and then realize, oh man, I'm in the wrong, wrong space. So yeah. you took VTX Capital, got mm-hmm. dollarsprout.com. What are your thoughts about the domain name? Obviously VTX Capital, yeah. to me, it, it sounds like a, a hedge fund or, you know, yeah. it, what, what are your thoughts about the domain name? Sadly, that was our goal. <laughs> Oh, okay, there we go. <laughs> I mean, it, it as we as our identity kind of shifted towards the blog side of things rather than, you know, like a subscription, like heavy research, like the technical side of things, like as we shifted to more of a blog model of doing things, we realized like hey, our domain name makes no sense right now. We've got to change it. So, we eventually found dollarsprout.com and, you know, that at the time, you know, we paid $1600 for it, you know, looking back I think it was a great investment because I mean, our, like it's easy to remember. It's short. It has like, it's you kind of associated with money. Um, it's, you know, the hard thing about finding a good domain name is a lot of them are taken. Or if you find a good one, it's like really, really long, like how to make money and manage your money from home.com or whatever. It's like, no one's going to ever remember that or type it in. Um, so, you know, it's not, not saying that everybody like you have to like, you know, go all out and get, you know, one of these really expensive domains and, and surely, I mean, with dollarsprout.com, I mean, I think we found a fairly good deal because there's a lot of these domains out there that are like, you know, 10,000, 20,000, $50,000. And, you know, for 1600, it's, you know, for, for us, it was, it was worth it. Um, I think if you're looking to start, you know, on a smaller budget, I don't think there's anything wrong with, just getting any name that you like and it's good enough. Yeah. So if you're just starting out and you know, you don't want to go all out on a domain name, I think it's fine to get, get something, just, just anything and just get started. I think the important thing is to get something up and online and start learning the skill set. Cause if you take forever to find the perfect domain name, that's time that you're not spending, you know, building up your skills that you're going to need to create good content and market it out to people. And that's more important than your domain name. So if you can get just anything that is, you know, remotely reasonable, get it and start working on it. And then, you know, if you get a year or two down the road and you decide like you really want to do this and, you know, if you find a domain name that you like that maybe is, you know, a couple thousand dollars or a thousand dollars or 500 or whatever, you know, then you can make the leap and it's not, it's not impossible to do that. And you, um, you could make up something on your own and have it work out pretty well. Um, oh, yeah. So for my site, for successfullyunemployed.co, mm-hmm. somebody mm-hmm. already bought the .com, and he's literally not using it. I called him up. I was actually talking to him. He said, well, I'll use them Sunday. I'm like, well, you know, how much can I give you? Like, I'll give you yeah. $3,000, $4,000, $5,000. I kept raising it up because mm-hmm. I have money, and I was like, I just I want the domain. Mm-hmm. He just says, I'm literally not going to sell. I'm like, oh, well, I'm just going to go with successfullyunemployed.co. I just need yeah. to make sure I don't ever say .com. But <laughs> what's great is – the Google and search engines are going to be the ones that do it. I find mm-hmm. that, you know, help people find you. If mm-hmm. you can create a shorter domain, that's a little bit easier rather than mm-hmm. like your email, like Dustin at successfullyunemployed.co. Like that's just a lot of words, dollar spouts, you know, a little shorter letters. Mm-hmm. Um, so if we get a domain name, mm-hmm. or do you suggest WordPress? And I do want to talk, to really dig into the content because you, you said a, a couple of times and we need to get better at our mm-hmm. skill at creating content, but, um, get a, a hosting. Um, cause 
we need is WordPress a great way to go? Because I like WordPress. What are your thoughts? Yeah. We're, so honestly, between me and my uh, co-founder, Ben, Ben is the technical guy and he knows way more about this stuff than I do. But WordPress is all that we've used, all we've ever really used. Um, so it's great. I know that it's like used by the vast majority of, of people who do blogging. I think if you're, you know, I, I've heard of like Squarespace and all those sites for like, you know, if you run a restaurant and just want to put up a, a site for your restaurant or something or something that looks good, but you know, it's not necessarily aimed at content distribution, but is more just like a face for your business. Um, then, then that, you know, is probably a better suit for that. Um, but again, you know, I'm not necessarily like an expert on that. Um, so but yeah, WordPress has been great for us. And I think our first host, uh, hosting that we used was GoDaddy. And I don't think it was particularly, you know, good or bad. Um, I think it was just the one that we just happened to pick first. And I think for, you know, most new bloggers, you know, the, the entry level like hosting programs are, you know, pretty much the same. I mean, give or take a few like features here and there or like a couple dollars a month. But, you know, you can't really go like extremely wrong, like Bluehost, HostGator, SiteGround, they're all good Got know, it. For, for beginners. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree with that. And what's great is, you can create a business, start it, even if you didn't spend $1,600 to buy a domain name, mm-hmm. you could pay eight or $10. I use namecheap.com mm-hmm. uh, for mm-hmm. mine. And I also use SiteGround for my uh, my site as well. And so Namecheap is like $10 a year for your domain. And then SiteGround mm-hmm. is like $4 a month for your domain. And you can create a business that is as fantastic as Dollar Sprout, making a lot of money. Yeah. So let's dive into, okay, we ha- it's, it's not that hard to get the domain build mm-hmm. up a WordPress site. You can even pay somebody to de- design the site. But mm-hmm. what you're telling me is the number one thing is the content on the site. You said yes. number of times you have 400 articles, which is great, but you're right. Mm-hmm. Other, other sites have 4,000 I've or 5,000 or even more. I've mm-hmm. talked to people that they produce one piece of content every single day, <sighs> but they have other people writing. Obviously, you know, yeah. they have money coming in so they can do that. Yeah. So talk to us about content. What do you mean by writing good content? Yeah. So it took us, you know, a while and we're still like in the process of, you know, getting better at making content. I think every blogger, if you were to, you know, look back at a post that they created six months or a year ago, you would cringe. You'd be like, ah, oh, like, uh, that's so bad compared to where I'm at now. So, you know, of our 400 articles on our site, I would say, you know, 50 of them or so are like ones we're really proud of and we think we did a great job. And then we're trying to, you know, bring the other ones up to that level now. But yeah, for, you know, in terms of making good content, you know, for at least for a site like ours, where we are not a personal brand, we're not, you know, huge on, you know, sharing our personal stories and that sort of thing. You know, our number one goal is to help a reader, you know, solve a problem or like learn something about finance. So, you know, the way that we do that is, you know, we, we try to balance between having our content be as comprehensive as possible, but also still digestible. So, you know, a lot of, a lot of our posts are, you know, several thousand words, you know, like at least like 2000 words are probably most of our posts, which, you know, if you're reading it, I mean, it takes a good, you know, 10 minutes to read through. Um, and creating that type of content takes, you know, a lot of research up front. You know, you want to figure out, you know, how you want to organize it. You can't just, you know, sit at the keyboard and just start typing away until you're like, okay, I think I've said everything. You know, it's helpful to, you know, sit down beforehand, um, create an outline, think about, like, okay, here's the points I want to cover. You know, if you have an affiliate, you want to throw in there, like, okay, here's where I'm going to mention them. It makes sense to mention them here. Like, you know, that sort of thing to where like by the time you're ready to like actually create that piece of content, you have like a roadmap essentially laid out and then you just do it. So that that's sort of kind of been our approach uh, up to this point. So do you write as if you're just teaching or do you put in like your own personality? Do you put in personal stories and things like that? For the most part, we we try to limit the amount of like personal involvement in it, maybe like in the intro or something, we might like share like a a quick, like personal bit of like, but then once we get into like the meat of the article, it's fairly like expository writing, you know, just explaining the concepts and, you know, we'll use, we're trying to get better about, you know, using, using stories from other people. So if I was writing an article on how to invest, 
I might like, you know, try to include a source from Dustin about like, okay, Dustin like had $5,000 to start and like, here's what he did and kind of show. So it's not just, you know, us talking about us, but we're like covering what other people are doing. So we're trying to get better about, you know, doing that in more of our content, but you know, it's something where we didn't used to do that. And now it's, you know, when we see that in other people's articles, it's like, oh, okay, that's really cool. This makes this like a better piece of content. So as time goes on, you kind of pick up little bits and pieces here and there of like what makes stuff good and what just basically is how to make your content better. Yeah, I think that's that's right on. Now, what are your thoughts about how many articles either a week or per month or is it more articles, the better and uh, pausing that or like giving that thought of the more articles, because if you don't write good articles, it doesn't matter if you have a hundred thousand articles out there, if they're not mm-hmm. good enough, people want to read. If they click on it and they click right back out, Google's not going to mm-hmm. like that. But what are your thoughts about content calendars and creating content wise for your site so that Google mm-hmm. starts picking it up and said, Hey, this is a good site. Let's keep sending people to it. Yeah. So I think as actually Ben and I were just talking about this the other day, you know, we were going back through some of our content from, you know, last year, which isn't that far away. I mean, this podcast is recorded in February and, you know, we realized like, you know, in some of our articles for a stretch of time, like our quality kind of suffered. And, you know, even though we only have 400 articles on our site, which in comparison is, is very few compared to a lot of sites, we thought, or we felt that we were publishing too fast. So for us, you know, and that was when we were publishing, you know, three to four times a week. Um, and even still that was, that was, and that's with, you know, a, a team of, you know, freelance writers and it wasn't like Ben and I writing this content. It, we had people helping us. Um, so for, for us, you know, now we're slowing down our publishing a lot. We're maybe only doing, you know, one to maybe three a week. Um, I think for every site, it's a little bit different. I think for, for our strategy of, you know, trying to create really comprehensive, you know, best content possible on a particular topic, you know, for us, it's important to go slow and do it right, rather than just try to throw as much at Google as possible and like, just hope that they rank us for whatever. Um, So that's, you know, a lesson that we've learned along the way, you know, when you have your first bit of success in, you know, getting people to your site, like your natural inclination is like, okay, how do we amplify this? And we, we tried doing that. And then we kind of got caught and like, okay, we're going too fast. Let's slow back down and do things at a pace that we're comfortable with and comfortable with the quality that we're putting out. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Cause as you're putting out bad content, Google's going to see, Hey, people don't like this and they're going to stop mm-hmm. sending people to that content. Yes. So right now you're three to four articles a week. Now you're not writing all those yourself. Are you, you mm-hmm. you're hiring people and how does that play out? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I write almost no content now and same with Ben. So our full-time employees are actually editors and all of our, our content is written by freelance writers. So we've met, you know, a lot of freelance writers through the FinCon community, which is, I don't know if your listeners are familiar with that, but it's basically just a, a huge community of everybody that works in the like financial media industry. So podcasters, writers, YouTubers, all sorts of, you know, that, that type of work. And, you know, we find people through there and, you know, have them write content for us. We pay them, they write content, everybody's happy. Um, and yeah, that's basically how we've been able to scale to, you know, the output that we're doing now. Cause honestly, I'm not a very fast writer and neither is, is Ben. (laughs) Um, and you know, not, not even particularly good either. You know, there's some of these freelance writers, like this is what they do. And like, they are really, really good at it. And part of Ben and I's job is like, we want to take their talents and writing and match it up with our skill set of, you know, pairing that up with, you know, good monetization and getting, you know, traffic to it and just overall branding in general. Um, so that's kind of where we're trying to like mold everything together. And so when you say you, it sounds like you have contractors that are doing the writing, the freelance writers, but you have full to five full-time employees. Are they employees like W2 employees? Or are they also? Yeah. So yeah, our, uh, well, and it's including me and Ben. So I guess three full-time people other than me and Ben. Um, and they're, yeah, W2 full-time employees. They edit 
uh, full time. So they're working with our freelance writers and also we're working on a big project now of just going back through our old content and trying to bring it up to our current standards. So that is a full-time job <laughs> to do. Um, even though it's only a few hundred articles, it, you know, if you do it the right way, it should take a really long time. I agree. Um, so that, yeah, that's all keeping that content, everybody busy. Yeah. All that content to, to get it to where people are going to stay on it and read it. That's going to be, it's going to take a lot of work to make sure that people are engaged and, mm-hmm. and do that. Now I am thinking, okay, if I'm starting a website, I'm st- I got my domain name, I got WordPress going, I'm putting out mm-hmm. articles myself and I'm working my job. I'm just over broke, but I want to start growing. I think, man, I really should hire somebody at least to write. Maybe I can edit mm-hmm. because it's easy. I have time at my work. I can look at my phone or whatever. I can, I can edit mm-hmm. a little bit, but I really need to have somebody write the articles. Number one, how do we find it? But number two, how much do we pay them? Yeah. So we, we've gone through the whole gamut on this. You know, I, the first freelance writer that I hired, I found on Upwork, I think we were paying them. I mean, it was, it wasn't even on a per word basis. It was like $25 for like a 1500 word article, which if you're familiar with, you know, freelance rates, that's horrible. That's like, you get what you pay for and we got what we paid for. But you know, the way, the way that we looked at it at the time was like, okay, if someone just sends me something like, you know, me or Ben can edit it. And then, you know, eventually you, you slowly move up. So that's where we started was, you know, finding, you know, someone on Upwork that maybe didn't work in the U S and just did, you know, cause they're, if you work with some international freelancers, a lot of times the rates are quite a bit cheaper. Um, but again, you know, English may not be their first language. You know, it's, I would say generally poor quality content. So you and they use wrong that. idioms and they just like, that yes. doesn't fit here. <laughs> yes. So, so yeah, we, we tried that cause it's, it, when you see that you can get an article for $25 or whatever, it's tempting to try it. And we tried it. <laughs> um, so you, you go from that to then you slowly move up to like, maybe you found someone in the FinCon community that is like just getting started and freelancing and they don't have a huge resume or portfolio yet, but they're just looking for their first client. And, you know, you can maybe get a decent deal on some stuff and, you know, they're learning. How, uh, I think some of our, some of our first few uh, freelancers, I, this is quite a while ago, so I might remember this wrong, but I would say between like a hundred and $150 for like, you know, a 1500, a 2000 word article. So like maybe like 10 cents a word or so, um, which is still, you know, the lower end of things. Uh, and again, this is still like, you know, a, an entry level, you know, freelancer. And then you move up to like, okay, here, whoops, hit my microphone there. If you move up to you know, a freelancer that has maybe worked with some of the bigger sites before and, you know, they have like a decent portfolio and they charge maybe 25 or 30 cents a word. Their writing quality is better. They have more connections. And then eventually, you know, now we're trying to you know move up to that next level where, you know, this is a writer that's like written for Forbes or like us news and world report or bank rate or like these big sites, like they're like, the top tier like freelancers and you know those folks are going to be 40 50 60 cents a word sometimes even higher oh my goodness so yeah it, it gets expensive but that you move up to that as your revenue grows and your income grows so you don't have to start at that level you can definitely make things work with you know the cheap upwork or fiverr you know freelancer you have to put more work in on editing but then as you're, you just kind of slowly move up. So there's no real like rush to get to, you know, the top. So it seems like the, the starting is just getting content out there, getting used to writing. Um, yeah. Obviously we have the domain name, we got the server, we have the mm-hmm. hosting, like everything's working. WordPress is going, we're starting to put content out there. We write mm-hmm. articles on our own. Then we start scaling, getting, hiring somebody, bringing somebody on. What about affiliates? What about ads at what point do we do ads what point do we do i mean should it, it mm-hmm. seems like affiliates you could do much much sooner than ads um but at the same yeah. time what are your thoughts about how do we now make money from the business yeah so we used to um we used to have ads and affiliates so for people who don't know like the display ads or like you know if you go to like cnn.com and you see all the little ads everywhere like in news articles they're just everywhere you know, yeah. ran- they're just random ads for you know 
they're not even really related to what you're looking at half the time. Most of the time, actually, they're for just whatever. And you know, those you might get a couple cents here and there for clicks. Um, so we we used to have those on our site, and you know, we would make you know based off of our traffic, you know, you still make a decent amount of money um, from them. But we started with affiliates uh, much sooner because you know you don't necessarily need like the higher traffic requirements um, for affiliates. It's more just you know, if you have a good spot for someone in an article, if you just contact that advertiser and be like, Hey, like it, whether it's via a network or you reach out to them on a contact page on their site or whatever, just say like, Hey, like I want to join your program. Like, how can I get in? And like, usually it's pretty easy. Like sometimes you'll get rejected, but that's just part of the game. Um, we still get rejected by brands all the time. It's just how it is. <laughs> um, and you know, you get, start getting some of those placements in there and then you get, you know, you might start making like one or $2 a day. Then it turns into $5 a day, $10 a day. And it, you know, hopefully just keeps kind of growing from there. So how do we find the, the right affiliates? Do we just start like type in, if we're going to go after a bank, just type in Mm -hmm. banks and try to find, is there like a network of affiliates or how do we do that to make sure we're finding the right ones? Yeah. So where we started was we joined a handful of what are called like affiliate networks. So like one example would be like cj.com, which I think stands for commissionjunction.com. Um, but it's just cj.com. And it's basically just the web- website you go to, you sign up, make a profile. It's all free. Um, you like set up a profile for your site. So like they know like, okay, like Jeff with dollarsprout.com, he gets this many visitors a month. That's what the site's about. And then there's this whole like network of um, advertisers that you can uh, promote. So if I were to go, you know, sort by like financial industry, like, you know, and then it shows me all like the relevant advertisers for like, okay, for taxes, there's H&R Block and TurboTax and whatever. And then, you know, banks or, you know, if you want to promote like Uber or Lyft or whatever. Um, so, once you join one of these networks, you have a consolidated place where then you can apply to affiliate programs. Um, and that's typically like the first step is like joining a, a handful of these networks. There's, there's quite a few of them and a lot of them have the same uh, advertisers, but you might find like small discrepancies like here and there between networks. Um, like one might pay, you know, $5 for like a, a commission and one might pay $6. So stuff like that, where you just want to like, find the best deal. Um, but yeah, that's where we would start is there. And then if we can't find um, an advertiser on a network, we would just then reach out. Um, but a lot of times when you're first brainstorming for, you know, affiliates or advertisers to promote, you know, you look at, you know, what, if you're writing from like a storytelling perspective or like from your first person experience, like if you say like, hey, I love using personal capital to track my net worth like and you use that personally then you know that would be a great fit to put in your article and personal capital has an affiliate program on flexoffers.com for instance and probably a bunch of other networks too um so start off by using you know the the companies that you like use and are familiar with and then you know you can eventually branch out and see you know what other what what programs are other bloggers in your space promoting and you know what companies are good versus like you know, if there's a company that has an affiliate program, but like that company, just you don't want to promote them. Like you don't have to, you can and you just should, to my opinion, you absolutely should. Cause they could turn back on you and like, man, this people that dollar sprout, yeah. they, they sent me over there and they're just not teaching yeah. me or they're not mm-hmm. taking care of me as well as I should. So yeah, mm-hmm. I would agree that, um, mm-hmm. and I do love having like cj.com impact.com is another one mm-hmm. that I use. Yep. I love having all my information in one. So I don't have to mm-hmm. continually put in that information. All I got to do is click like apply for an mm-hmm. affiliate and they either, nice. they look at everything I've already done and they either say accept or reject. And you can obviously, mm-hmm. if you, they reject you. You can find me and reach out again or email them or something mm-hmm. like that. But it, mm-hmm. it just creating so many different accounts, like with each and every single affiliate, it makes it, it's a lot of work. It takes a lot of time. It does. I mean, I'm looking at my like toolbar in Chrome right now and I've like the first 20 are like different networks and stuff and we're working on consolidating it but yeah it you just got to be at least a little bit organized <laughs> keep so track of what, where everything is what would you find is one of the better affiliate like what companies are good is it banks better insurance companies h&r block like you yeah, said what companies are good i think the first thing to look at is not necessarily you know which ones are the best to promote but which ones are the best match for the content that 
you are writing that resonates the most with your readers. So for instance, like when Ben and I first started, you know, transitioning into like our blogging content, as opposed to our membership, you know, nonsense that we were doing before, you know, we were writing, we were writing blog content on investing. And then, you know, we would you know experiment with, you know, writing an article on, you know, the 10 best ways to make money on the weekend or whatever. And we found that like our audience really loved that, stuff a lot more for some reason. So like, okay, like how can we find affiliates that resonate with like this type, like we can still add investing affiliates, but you know, I'm not going to try to like, you know, relentlessly promote TD Ameritrade if my readers are more interested in, you know, driving for Lyft on the weekends. Like, so you have to match, not just, you, you have to match with what people are like consuming on your site and what they want to do and that fits their interests the most. So, you know, if TD Ameritrade is paying $100 for a new account, but I can't convert any of them, but if, you know, I can get someone to sign up with Instacart and make, you know, $20 a pop or whatever, like it's worth my time more to go after the lower commission, higher volume stuff that actually resonates with someone. So that's, that's great. Yeah. It, it, and of course these lessons are learned like, after trying to promote TD Ameritrade forever and it's like not working because people on your site are reading the other stuff or, and that's just like a random example. Like, yeah, I just made up names there. Like it's, I don't even know if we're affiliates for TD Ameritrade. So (laughs) what was the, at what point did you realize taking off ads was better for your company as opposed to leaving them on? Yeah. So we, we kept them on for, I guess we haven't had them for a while now, but we, when we took them off, we were probably giving up probably at least 20,000 a month in revenue, which hurt a lot. Um, but we were in we ads, were trying to look, $20,000. Yeah. We, ads? yeah, we were, yeah, we were, um, we had quite a bit of traffic and, you know, if you, if you're a site, like, I mean, if you go on like some of these news sites, like they, I mean, they really throttle up the ad frequency where it's just miserable to be on a website without ad blocker on. Um, like, I know if you go to Forbes, it's like it's almost horrible. unreadable. Yeah, yeah, it is. But they make a lot of money from those ads. So it's, you know, for us, we were looking at, you know, where we wanted to go as a brand. And we were looking at kind of the leaders in our, our space. And, you know, none of them, have display ads for now I'm, I'm talking about, you know, like where we aspire to be in, you know, however many number of years, even if we never get there. But if you look at the sites like, uh, like nerd wallet or credit karma or those types of sites, like they, since they are so focused on affiliates, they don't have any display ads. So your user experience, since, since your, your ads or affiliates are already within your content, you don't, necessarily want to just like layer on display ads on top of that. And then your whole site is just like a spam fest. So for us, we wanted to make the decision to, you know, just get rid of the display ads, you know, just rip the bandaid off basically. And, you know, if, if you don't see the money come in, you just don't like think about like what you just gave up sort of. So Matt, um, to, to think of, to give up $20,000 in ad revenue, that's per month, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I would estimate. Go ahead. Yeah, I would. Est- I would estimate. Yeah, it was at least that at our at our traffic peak, and you know, obviously traffic ebbs and flows. But um, if we were to have you know ads displaying on all of our articles at like a relatively high frequency, like what you might see on a news website, it would be multiple tens of thousands. I would estimate um, that we were giving up. In, Did you see from pulling that off? Did you see an uptick in your affiliates and like basically people staying on your site longer and did it pay off? Like, are you, did you make up all that money and then some yeah. because you took those off? Yeah. It's very hard to, you know, directly, you know, see the trade-off because there, there's a few trade-offs that are being made is, you know, the user experience is better just because there's, there's no ads on the site. So, you know, overall that's going to, you know, slowly improve your, your brand quality and just your overall branding, which is very hard to quantitate, quantitate. Um, 
And then you also have, you know, you're improving your site speed a little bit because, you know, those ads take, you know, a few seconds to load. And, you know, Google, if they have to choose between a site that takes one second to load and a site that takes six seconds to load and everything else being equal, they're going to take the faster site. So, you know, for us, you know, by getting rid of ads for us, it made sense because it gave us a higher chance of hopefully, you know, ranking our articles higher and getting traffic that way and then getting people to then, you know, hopefully funnel down into offers that are actually catered to them rather than just a bunch of display ads. So again, for us, since our content strategy is is so focused on affiliate marketing, it made a lot of sense to do that. But if we were like a news website or if we were sharing a lot of our personal stories or whatever, and you know, a lot of our content wasn't monetized, then that wouldn't make sense because we would just be, you know, spending money to create content and then get nothing in return, which yeah. is not, you know, a viable business strategy. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. And it does seem like the way to scale is to get more traffic. Now you have the affiliates in place. You already have the people, the companies that you want to work for or work with and have them as affiliates. Mm-hmm. It seems like the way to scale is to get more traffic. Is is that correct? And mm-hmm. how do you do that? Yeah. So what we started doing, well, we first started like trying to do like the like Facebook and Twitter and all that. And like we weren't getting really any traffic like i mean i think if you try to like, talk about start, ads uh no well first we started just like organic i mean this i mean this was like five years ago so like, it was slightly easier back then but not much um but yeah i mean when we were just like you know sharing our articles on facebook or twitter or whatever like we weren't really getting enough traffic to move the needle at all like maybe like 50 visitors a day or something um and then we kind of got in at the tail end of the like Pinterest rush of like, you know, every, everyone was getting a ton of traffic on Pinterest and, you know, Ben and I as you know, non Pinterest users in real life. It was like a whole new world when we were like, okay, people actually use this site. And like, how does this work? Like, what is a pin? Like, what do we do? (laughs) And then, you know, we got a little bit of success with that. And then we like, really focused on that a lot for like our main, you know, content distribution strategy. And then, you know, as we started getting income from there, we, you know, realized, you know, like everyone says, you know, you don't want to have all your eggs in one basket. So we, you know, eventually started to transition our focus into uh, Google and search engine optimization and all of that, which um, is basically for, for those who don't know, it's basically just like a way to uh, create your content in a way that, makes it easy for Google and search engines to understand what your content's about and then, you know, assess the quality and rank it accordingly. So, you know, if someone searches on Google for how to start investing, there's probably like 50 million articles about how to start investing. So, you know, they've got to have some way to rank them. And there's certain strategies that you can use to, you know, increase your odds of ranking higher in Google. And, you know, it's definitely not, you know, a, it's not a, a quick uh, return on your time. You know, it'll, it may take something six months to a year to eventually rank as you make like little improvements here or there, get it out there, uh, get more readers on it, give Google more data on, you know, how your article's performing and that sort of thing. Um, so yeah, we started off basically doing Pinterest and then we transitioned into Google and we still, you know, focus on Pinterest quite a bit. Um, and then we layer on now, now we're doing, you know, paid Facebook ads to some articles and doing a little bit of Google ads, not a ton. Um, and that's kind of the gist of our, and we also have an email list too. So, but that's so, like comparatively small, like compared to our like traffic. And the email list, you would just email them like, here's some new con, like a new piece of content we just wrote and here's, this mm-hmm. might help you. And maybe some a little added to what's already on the site. You write mm-hmm. the emails that help want, make them want to go back and check mm-hmm. out your site. Is that correct? Exactly. And we also uh, recently have been using our email list to, you know, we're, we're working on, we just started a, a YouTube channel within the past year. And we're, you know, that is just like starting on any of these other platforms. You know, you're starting from square one, like it takes a long time to get traction. But what we're doing is, you know, we're using our email list to, you know, send people to our channel. So now we're kind of leveraging one asset to build another. 
Um, so, you know, you, you take your Pinterest traffic, you get people to sign up for your email list, then you get people to sign up for your YouTube channel. And like, if you do this for years, like eventually you have something, but you just have to kind of do one thing at a time or, or add one new thing at a time instead of, you know, on day one, you're like, okay, email, YouTube, newsletter, blog, like it's too much. So you got to just take one bit at a time. That's great, man. That's, that's, it's amazing to hear that you started in 2015, then rebranded in 2017. And now we just, we're in 2020 now, but you have a site that within, let's say, just say 2017 is when you started. Yeah, no, let's take it back. Mm-hmm. 2015, in four to mm-hmm. five years, you were able to completely not work at J-O-B anymore, making plenty of money for you and your partner, as well as all the mm-hmm. other employees that you have. You're creating a fantastic business and helping people along the way. That's what I find as I serve and help more people, the better my life gets, not just mm-hmm. monetarily, but at the same mm-hmm. time, even I just feel better. I'm like, man, look at all these people that are getting, when I yeah. help, uh, I have a coaching student that coaches, that I coach them about investing in real estate. They buy their first mm-hmm. property or eventually quit their job because they have enough properties and enough money coming in. I just feel ecstatic. I just am so amazed at that. Now, um, I guess it, it, there's so many things that we can do, but at the same time, there's so many great ways to make money and dollarsprout.com is a fantastic site that is really, really helping people. Now I want to jump into the rapid fire round. Are you ready? Yeah. Yeah. All right. So yeah, this really broad overview. You should be able to answer these questions pretty easily, but some might get you to think a little bit. So the first one, we think about legacy. You know, we have, we don't have to work 40 plus hours a week for a job, but we can hopefully give back. But we think about legacy and not to be morbid or anything, but if, if and when you die, because it's a proof of fact, 100% of people die, what would you like to have written on your tombstone talking all about Jeff and this is what he's done and this is what you should remember him for? Man, that's a good question. This is like not rapid fire. This is like deep This dive. is a deep one. So yes, <laughs> no, like I should, no, I, I should I change it to deep questions <laughs> with Dustin. <laughs> um, I would say, you know, right now I could see it being built a really big business so then he could do good for the world. And I want to eventually get to a point where it's build a really big business that did a lot of good for the world. Um, I think it's a little bit of a distinction. I think, you know, in the last couple of years, we've gotten really good at, you know, getting a lot of traffic, making a lot of income and like, well, that's great and everything, you know, i you know, one of the downfalls to, you know, not having that personal brand or as strong of a connection with your readers is, you know, you, you kind of miss out on, like, I don't have coaching clients or anything like you, you, even if you're still making an impact, you don't see it because you're kind of behind the wall of the brand, which, you know, was our choice to do, but at the same time, you know, it would be nice to, you know, engage with the community a bit more and, you know, really see the impact that we're making. Cause right now it's just less than, you know, if we had taken the more personal approach. Yeah, that does make sense. I, I like that idea is, is just helping mm-hmm. more people like having that written, uh, like created mm-hmm. something so then he could then help more people and serve more people. Mm-hmm. I think that's great. Now, if you were to go and give somebody one bit of advice other than get started, cause everybody says, Oh, just get started now, which I agree. Just get started. What else should or advice you would give to somebody that says, you know, what, I want to create a website that helps people. What would, what's your advice to give them? I would say if you want to make it, if you want to eventually leave your job to do it, do not leave your job until you're making significant income from the website. Like I cannot emphasize enough how stressful that was to leave with nothing coming in and it, negatively impacted like every area of my life for a year. And I don't want to ever go through that again. And I don't want anyone else to go through it because it sucks. That's <laughs> so a great, that's a great, yeah, tip. it's, it, I, I hate to be like, you know, do as I say, not as I do, <laughs> but really you, you want to make sure you have some level of security before you leave your job. And if I could go back and change one thing, I don't know if I could really change it, but, I would try to not be so naive. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Now, if you're going to go back and give your younger self any advice, it could be life, business, or whatever, what would it be? Uh, study what you want to study in school. 
if you're going to go to school. Um, I made the mistake of, you know, entrepreneurship never really crossed my mind at all as a kid growing up. It was, you know, I either wanted to be a doctor or like a rocket scientist or, you know, something that just sounded good that, you know, made a lot of money and made people think I was smart. And, you know, that ultimately like guided my path in undergrad of, you know, I'm studying biochemistry. I hate it. I started skipping class more, you know, I wasn't doing great, graduated with a two six and, you know, just, I was not set. Like if I would have just like found like what I liked earlier on or just been open to like, Hey, I think marketing is kind of interesting. You know, it's not, you know, as like a young, like a teenager or a college, like a college student, you know, marketing is not as like glamorous as like, I'm going to go to med school and be a doctor or like a surgeon or whatever. So just do what you want to do is what I would tell myself. I wholeheartedly agree with that. I, I liked your, your statement if you go to college, because I'm all for like, I don't think anybody, some people need to go to college, um, like doctors, Mm -hmm. lawyers, but not, it's not for everybody. And especially the debt that you get into, it's just crazy how much people are paying now for college. So yeah, yeah, go ahead. I I was, I was fortunate enough to, you know, somewhat split the cost with my parents for college. I know some people are completely on their own and some have it all paid for. I was in between, but even still, I mean, that was a big burden just to pay off half of, you know, the cost. And yeah, I don't, I don't think I'm completely in the anti-college camp yet, but maybe if I have kids and by the time they're ready for college, you know, I think the world is going to be a lot different. And I don't think college is going to be, you know, the same as it is like viewed the same way that it is now. So so everybody watching this on YouTube, I'm going to grab something. Hold on. (laughs) So everybody watching now listening. So here's my diploma. So I literally found this recently inside of a drawer and it's, it's, can you hear that? It's, it's literally yeah. embossed in wood. It's nice. My parents paid, I don't know, a couple hundred bucks for it. It looks really yeah. good, but you know what I'm going to do? I'm literally going to blow it up because I will never, ever need it again. I'm a, I'm absolutely in the camp of you will never, ever need to go to college if you do so many, like that's why I have successfully unemployed show is there so many ways to make money, to provide for your family, then yeah. going to college. But I'm like, I will never use this piece of wood or this piece of paper ever yeah. again. I will never, ever have another job. And so I'm going to make a video and then blow it up because I'm just That's like, awesome. this thing's a waste. Yeah, um, I've got, I've got a big, sadly, I've got an even more like impressive wood frame for mine. Like, it, I mean, it's <laughs> huge. It's like, it's like <laughs> double, it's ridiculous. My mom paid like $200 for the frame. And now it's just, it's like a constant reminder that like, there's that biochemistry degree that I slaved away through and never use and got in a lot of debt for. (laughs) People might see it on the wall as like impressive. And I see it as like a chip on my shoulder, like almost Uh, in a weird way, even though it's like not. No, you know what? Something that you wrote in, so as people come on the show for successful unemployed. I have them write out, you know, talking about their history and stuff. One thing that, one thing that you touched on that I want to touch on, even though this, this interview is getting rather long. Um, mm. You talked about humility and mm. I want to know what's your thoughts about humility. Cause I personally love humility. I'm a very prideful and arrogant person. And so I really have to work hard at not doing that because <laughs> humility is just so much better. What are your thoughts about humility? Uh, I've been told that I overdo it. Um, I think, I think one of my weaknesses is I don't acknowledge how far, like how much we've accomplished and I kind of downplay it a lot. And I think it's fine to do that. Cause I mean, no one wants to hear you like brag all day about your successes, but I think also at the same time, I'm quick to like discount how much we've accomplished. And I stay so focused on like trying to reach the next level or, you know, whatever that I just like, Oh yeah, it doesn't matter. Like how we did last year, like, or, you know, who cares that we have this many readers, like I want double that or that's not healthy either. So yeah, I think humility is a good thing, but it can be overdone, which I I get it. Well, if you get self deprecating, that is bad. I think humility is. Yeah. So humility and everything I've learned about humility, I, I love, absolutely love humility. Mm-hmm. Humility is not, let me see if I could get this right and how to say it right. But um, humility is 
um, not thinking less of yourself, like self-deprecating. Mm-hmm. It's thinking of yourself less. Like you don't even think about yourself. You're thinking about the other person. You're mm-hmm. trying to think, how can I help you? How can I benefit you? It's yeah. not like self-deprecating where you're putting mm-hmm. yourself down. No, so that that's why I love humility because the more people that I meet that I just say, hey, I'm not important. You're important. Tell me about you. Mm-hmm. The more I learn, the more I get to know somebody, the more if somebody comes away like, Hey, that was just a nice guy. You know, I'd rather be looked yeah. at as a nice guy than an arrogant. Hey, that guy just that, he thinks true. he knows everything. And I, I would also, yeah, love to get better about that too. Cause I think, you know, like I said before, it's like when you get in this like business mentality, you almost it's it's almost like you figure out how the game works and then you like just try to get better at it rather than it's easy to fall into that trap instead of like, well, how can I like really connect with these people and like truly help them? And, you know, you don't all, like, sometimes you can choose between helping people the most and maximizing your profit the most, and they're not the same thing. And I think it's, it's hard to balance because once you figure out how to maximize your profit, it's easy to neglect the other side. And I think that's something that like, I really want to work on like being more aware of, uh, in the future as we like, hopefully grow. That's great, man. Okay. Last two questions should be fairly quick. What is one app, one tool, whatever it might be? It could be a piece mm-hmm. of paper and pen. Uh, what should we use that you currently use? A notebook. I tr- have tried to use Asana and Basecamp and all these things. Like, I've got to have a pen and notebook with like a checklist. I make the boxes. Like, that's how I am. And I'm not ashamed of it anymore. <laughs> so, good. You shouldn't be. That's, yeah, that's, like I, that's just how I do it. I just, about- every day is a new page and you just do it and... Yeah, there's something so much more fulfilling, though, about literally putting pen to paper and writing it down. I remember things that I've written many, many years ago, as opposed to mm-hmm. things I typed. I mean, I've typed lots and lots of stuff, the things mm-hmm. that I actually write by hand. It just sticks in your brain. Yeah. So last question is, what is one nonfiction book? Could be business, life, whatever it might be. What mm-hmm. would you suggest we read? One book that I read that a lot of people think is like a really cheesy book, but I really enjoyed it was uh, The 10X Rule by Grant Cardone. Um, you know, it's a little woo-woo and over the top at times, but I really like it. I mean, the, the his way of looking at life is very unique. And I, I love just the way that he just, you know, looks at everything through like just a bigger lens of like what is possible. You know, if you say you want to make a hundred thousand dollars a year, like, you know, set your goal to make a million dollars a year. Or if you want to impact this many people, you know, impact 10 times that many people or, or whatever. And I think, you know, it, it's a good book. It's worth the read. Um, I probably have like a few more that I could rattle off, but uh, that one, I always come back to that one whenever I'm asked that question. That's awesome. Yeah. Good, Matt. Jeff, you've given us so much great wisdom. I want to create a site like Dollar Sprout. I think that's a brilliant business. Good for you. Now, if somebody wants to reach out to you and learn more about you or even just go to dollarsprout.com, how mm-hmm. can they do that? Yeah. So I don't know how long uh, you have between you know recording the podcast and releasing it, but in we're in late February now. I think hopefully in the next two weeks, maybe three weeks, we have our brand new site launched we've been working on like a redesign like for like since last summer it's been like a huge project i'm so ready to get it out there um but yeah come to our site in early march i mean you can come now it it'll look good but (laughs) it'll look really good in a few weeks um and yeah if you want to you know email me or whatever i'm just jeff at dollarsprout.com yeah follow us on facebook or what i mean all the same stuff. I don't know. I, yeah, I, should have, if you go, I should have a better answer for this. Yeah, follow us on social. <laughs> there you go. So if you go to dollarsprout.com, you're going to find yes. some great information for finance, really. I mean, if you, if you go to college, um, and you step back and go to high school and step back one further and go to elementary school, they never, I'm going to say just about never, teach you financial um, mm-hmm. understanding, financial literacy, or even how to be financially independent. And so dollarsprout.com is a great way to go to just learn about finances. So Jeff, you give us so much great stuff. Very much great information. It. I really appreciate it. Thank you very much for being here. Cool. Yeah, thanks. Enjoy talking. All right, to man. You. you take care. Today's episode has been brought to you by the Real Estate Wealth Builders membership. That's the membership that I founded teaching people how to quit their J-O-B by investing in real estate rental properties. Now, Real Estate Wealth Builders is your place to learn how to invest in real estate with five different masterclass courses 
group coaching with me and a private student community where we all work together, all the tools and the discounts, all the resources and everything that you need to quit your J-O-B by investing in real estate. Now, I do want to show you how to do this completely for free. If you want to learn about investing in real estate for free, I want to get you my free real estate investing course. Text the word rental to 33777. That's R-E-N-T-A-L to 33777. So you can see how you can quit your job, that J-O-B, by investing in real estate. I'll show you how to find properties, how to use other people's money to buy properties, and how to scale the business to be successfully unemployed just like I did. Now, did you also know that there are video versions of each and every single episode on the Successfully Unemployed show? Well, I did record every single one of these for you. I recorded them for you so you will be able to learn from the experts themselves, see what they're doing, see everything that they are talking about on this show visually and all their examples, all their slides, all their pictures that they even draw. Everything is on there. Go to successfullyunemployed.co forward slash YouTube. Or if you just go to YouTube and type in successfully unemployed, more than likely you're going to find me. So successfullyunemployed.co forward slash YouTube. And I would truly appreciate it if you subscribe to Successfully Unemployed on YouTube and wherever you're listening to this podcast, subscribe to this show so that you can always get every bit of new information on how to quit your J-O-B. Also, if you got anything out of the show, Share it with just one person. Share it with just one person so that they can see the light that it is so much better to not work a job, be successful, unemployed, and be your own boss. All right, guys, this is it for today's show. I will see you next week. See ya.